0: Anyway, looking there on page 54, uh, we see him begin by giving us a picture of New Orleans and uh, never been there, been through there uh, downtown. But uh, he talks about uh, New Orleans' a place of never-ending parties, and we won't go to all of that, but he talks about a parade. Parades aren't meant to be subtle and quiet the people in the parade do what they can to draw attention to to something they consider worth celebrating uh we've we've all attended some event somewhere that was much similar to that have we not but the reality of what he wants us to see is the holy spirit does not have that as its as his purpose okay the purpose of the spirit there is to glorify jesus now uh The old saying is, uh, the chief end of man is similar there to the Spirit's work, and that is that we are saved, we we have the purpose there of glorifying the Lord in our lives. So he, he gives us a paragraph on that on page 54. He said, "...the Holy Spirit's role is a lot like the parade, but for a far greater reason." He works tirelessly to magnify the work of Jesus. He works in and through our lives to draw attention to someone worth celebrating. Now, uh, as we think about the Holy Spirit, I was taught a lesson uh, in the early 80s of my ministry. You know, I knew what I was saying, but I was using poor English. And uh, I would refer to the Holy Spirit as an it but a uh, lady uh, of of renown, she helped me gently. She said, now remember, the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a He, okay? And uh, that offends some ladies, but I know you all get over that too. But main thing we want you to see there is that uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, we talk about the Trinity. Uh, so today we focus on uh, that third person, And Jesus gives us uh, a lot of the teaching that we need to know about uh, the Spirit, okay? Those of you who are joining us by YouTube, let me tell you, we're studying in John chapter 15. So if you would, just pick your Bible up. uh, Look in John chapter 15. We will read first uh, today verse 26 and verse 27. Now, if you are re- or if you're looking at YouTube, and it's Thursday or Friday. We're glad that you picked up on that as well. But for those who are watching it live this morning, we are uh, studying in John chapter 15, and we read verse 26 and verse 27. First, says, "When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father." the Spirit of truth who provides from the Father, or who proceeds from the Father, He will testify about Me. You also will testify, because you have been with Me from the beginning. Well, uh, as uh, the, the commentator would say, leaving is hard. Now, what is happening is that Jesus is finishing His work, and... Last week, we took that uh, lesson not in the chronological order uh, that we're studying, but just prior to his leaving, he gave the instruction there uh, about that he was not going to leave them comfortless. In other words, I'm not going to leave you alone. Uh, So the word leaving is just hard in itself, is it not? You know, imagine the days uh, where... A uh, father would have to say to his wife and children, I'm leaving for war, or maybe the days uh, when it wasn't pleasant leaving. Well, I'm having to leave y'all. Daddy's going to be over here, but Mama's going to be over here. So, leaving is hard. But he also says, when I was working toward my doctorate, the writer uh, said when he, he was also pastoring a church, which meant his life was extremely hectic for what seemed like decades. Well, it was a choice that he had made, this writer, uh, to travel back into to the seminary. Uh, he was flying a lot, undoubtedly, and with all of that, who always gets the, who always gets the brunt of, of all of this travel? In this case, it was the family, was it not? The uh, author was very much uh, determined to work on his doctorate degree. Uh, maybe it made him a better man, but he still had to come and go, come and go. And Jesus now is going. His his uh, emphasis is not on His earthly ministry anymore. He's fixing to leave. Now, let's not think it was in the process of hours, but it uh, was in the process of days that He has given the lesson. Uh, during Jesus' last night... Uh, before His arrest, He explained why it was a good thing that He was going away. Now, if you read your lesson, John 14 is in parentheses here, and we remember the context of that. Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled, you believe, in God believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, he said, And I go away. What's He going away to do? Prepare a place for you is what He said there. But then far more than just that, we read in the Hebrew letter He was going to be the intercessor for us as well. But imagine the horror that the disciples must have felt uh, when He told them they were going away. Now, I think they uh, realized this, but they didn't understand fully that uh, He was still going to be accessible. You remember, they grieved greatly till they found Him alive again. So, let's study about this person, he said, who was going to come and be with them. He says, uh, I'm in the page 55 still, the the right-hand margin said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and, and to the ends of the earth. Now, remember, this is not in the context of that same conversation in which He's saying, I go away. I go away, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. That's when He described that the Spirit would come and be uh, with them. And then later there, after His uh, resurrection, and then prior to His ascension is where He's telling them now, you're going to receive power. And uh, after that, the Holy Ghost come upon you, and that power will enable you to be my witnesses. Now, Acts chapter 2, for the first time, they saw this evident in their lives uh, when uh, the Lord allowed them to speak a language they had never learned. They were speaking to people who were not uh, natives of Jerusalem. Many maybe had been, but these people had migrated for one of the feasts that it was mandatory for these Hebrew men to come to. And uh, it was Paso- I mean, it was Pentecost at this time. But what happens is they come to the full realization, or let me just say, they come to a realization of what, can, what God can do through them with the Spirit. Now, church, I don't know, but sometimes I think we have forgotten what the Lord desires to do through us in His power. The question has long been, and, you know, I think it's worth repeating and meditating on, is this, how much of what we do in the Lord's work do we do in our own power? Now, I'm not going to ask you for a real answer on that, but do you know a large portion of what the church does on a daily or a weekly basis if we would be honest with ourselves, we might be doing it in our own intellect or our own learning or education, and we wonder why we don't get the results that the Lord said we would get, and it's because we're not yielded to His power and grace that He wants to do it through. Now, I'm not saying that in the sense that I'm telling you that's what you're doing. I'm saying that in the sense that we, we can say, uh, even pastors... Uh, could could be guilty of doing that ourselves. Now, with that again, he said, I'll send to you from the Father. I'm going to send you one now. And he said, this one, if we named him, he says, the Spirit of truth. And his ministry will be to testify of me. I put in uh, on page 54 just a couple of words there. Under there it says the Holy Spirit magnifies the work of Jesus. And I put these two things. Who He is. He could be magnifying who Jesus is again, right? Because nobody after the first century uh, church, I I reckon the last we could really claim to know, uh, would have seen Jesus according to our Bible, would have been Paul, would it have been. Now I know there are probably people who say they have. I have no way to validate that. In the book that I study from, Paul would be the last one who saw him. What Paul said, out of time. Not in the normal life that Jesus had ministered. But who He is. So we're the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is still teaching people in our uh, lifetime about who Jesus is. But also, he's, re, he's reminding us of how they work together as well. On page 56 now those last few comments from the writer uh, talking about they saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each of them. Now this is at Pentecost, and this is the evidence that, uh, that the Lord uh, is fulfilling His promises. Sometimes I listen to this radio station, I like their music. Uh, well, I say I did until I've lost my antenna on my truck somewhere. I reckon that'd be reason i have to buy a new truck in my old days, but I think I'm going to just probably get me a coat hanger and make me a new antenna or something. But anyway, I like to listen to the radio station because of their music. And uh, their theology's messed up, I, uh, according to mine, because they always want to talk about that second blessing and the filling of the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I want to be able to go back without any, without any... Uh, anger whatsoever and say, now, hey, if you're going to properly teach that, you need to, uh, yes, I do believe in the filling of the Spirit, but I don't believe the evidence would be me speaking in Spanish. I'm going to rely on Lydia to do that for me. But if God put me in a situation that I needed to, I think He'd give me that tongue as well, because that's what happened at Pentecost. Now, in John chapter 16, now I might have offended some of you watching by YouTube this morning. That was was not uh, my intention there. My intention there is to get us to understand that the Spirit has come, that He might testify of Jesus. John chapter 16 is our next verses, verses 7 through 11, reminding ourselves now, Uh, This is in the continuation of what Jesus is giving concerning this one who is coming. He said in verse 7, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Now, how much sense did that make to them at the moment? Probably not much, did it? They've been with Him three, three and a half years now. Matter of fact, they've grown to like Him. They might they didn't necessarily understand everything he did or said, but he said, It's better for you or your benefit that I go away, because I don't go away if I don't go away the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I'll send him to you. When he comes he will convict the world about sin, righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in Me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see Me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. Boy, Jesus, Jesus was talking fast, wasn't He? I don't mean literally fast, but he was, he was speaking a lot of truth there that we would have to really sit back and, and dissect a little bit and try not to grab it all at the same moment. So He says, it's better for you if I leave. The disciples could not have grasped all of that. It's almost like someone saying to you, and we know there's no one comparable to Jesus. Archer, in the context of uh, His death, saying, now, hey son, it's better than I die. Jesus, though the omniscient one, the omnipotent one, the Omnipresent One said to His disciples, It is for your benefit that I go away. Because, why? What is He saying would be the, would be the real thing that would happen uh, as He went away? If He didn't go away, something wasn't going to happen. He said the Counselor, the Comforter. Now, in this particular version of the Holman Christian Standard Bible, Uh, He said, If I go not away, the Counselor will not come. You remember in another place, it's either in John 14 or John 16, He's called the Comforter, okay? Now, let's don't get that confused. The Counselor, the Comforter, that's just defining different ministries uh, that He is uh, able to do, but also... If we remind ourselves it's ministries that we are constantly in need of, are we not? The Holy Spirit, think about all the functions that He does. He's the counselor, He's the teacher, He's the comforter. And let me tell you, if we'll slow down enough in life, what we'll realize is that we see Him at work every single day of our life in those capacities and even more. As I said to the first group in church this morning as I was preaching, I went to two funerals this week, and I, I, I was a part of another and on the Internet. Uh, but, you know, it's amazing if, if we're not careful when we think about how we comfort one another, but yet how the Spirit does that through us. See, He's really the one doing that. Let me say, uh, and you know it as well as I do, the, com- the, the Spirit wants to work through our lives. We are the ambassadors for Christ according to Scripture. The writer said on the bottom of page 56, he said, Oftentimes we're blind to our own shortcomings. Now do we want to say amen or oh me there? We are blind to our own shortcomings. We can be just as blind to sin in our lives. The Holy Spirit makes us aware of our sin uh, there as well as the truth of the Gospel. Now, who is He saying makes us aware of sin? Who who helps us to know we've sinned or fell short of the glory? Holy Spirit! You know, you don't need some man to walk up there and say, hey, you, you blew that, didn't you? If you're a believer, somebody is... Con- Somebody has contested you in that area, I believe, before any individual would ever be called to do that. Who would it be? It would be the Spirit. I am so glad that John 16 reminds us about these three things. He is there to convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And He takes time to break those three areas down. There is not anyone saved who has not came under and through the convicting power of the Spirit of God. They might have been some old hellfire brimstone, foot-kicking, hand-knocking pulpit, pulpiteers, but they were not the ones who brought conviction on you and I. God might have worked through them, but it was the Spirit who convicted us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, let's take those uh, three sections there, and it starts on the bottom of page 56. Uh, He says, and I'll read it, The Holy Spirit convicts us of all sins, but the sin Jesus was referring to here is the sin of unbelief, as He clarified in verse 9 about sin, because they do not believe in Me. Now, always look because the Scripture will usually define itself more fully as as you continue to read. Now, he says that the sin part of the conviction is for what we would call the main sin, and that main sin that keeps us from a walking, working relationship uh, with Jesus is sin. You've got to deal with the sin first, Right? Now, is sin a problem that we may have after we're saved? Let's just go ahead and say, yeah, okay. Now, I think he's referring there to a time before we've come to Jesus largely because that, is, that conviction is what uh, uh, arrests us for a moment for us to see how that the, the, the Lord is drawing us to Himself. Then he talks about righteousness. He says, even unbelievers can have a notion of what righteousness is, but the Holy Spirit convicts them about the righteousness of Christ. Now I'm going to say amen to that statement because I've met many people in life uh, who were not God-fearing, Bible-believing, church-going people. But when it came to morality and when it came to uh, community help, you could always count on those individuals to be a part of that. Now, they, they, as far as some would say, were pretty good boys. Some would say they have some works of righteousness. They contribute to the poor. You know, matter of fact, preacher, the first time we put carpet in the church, he donated the money. Didn't make him a believer, though, did it? So the Holy Spirit comes that He might uh, convict of sin, but also convince of righteousness. And the writer talks about that there in that paragraph. He leads them to see the truth of Jesus, or the truth of who Jesus is, the righteous, holy Son of God. And He clarifies this in verse tw- 10. When he says about righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. Boy, imagine you've been with this man three and a half years. You know, y'all have slept under the stars, you have watched the miracles, you've been delivered from a storm on the sea, and you're telling me it's better for me that you leave? Don't make sense. But you know, God never told us it was going to make sense, did He? He just told us it's going to be truth. And Jesus said, When I leave, the Comforter will come and convince the world. Let me just bring it personal. Convince you, convince me of sin and righteousness and last, judgment. The work of Satan and our sin was judged on the cross of Christ. Our sin was judged and dealt with through the death of Jesus, and salvation is complete. In verse 11, Jesus clarified about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. Anybody remember when he was judged? Who's called the ruler of the world? Satan, the adversary. When was he judged? Have we seen it in Scripture yet? I think he must have been teaching us from Genesis 3, would he? When he, you know, because of the sin of Adam, there was a curse on man. Uh, you know, going to be thorns and thistles in that beautiful garden. you got to pull them out. And he, he pronounced a curse on the ladies. What what happened with you ladies? Pain and childbirth. Now, you know, un- unless they have already got their epidural, they're not laughing too much when those pains hit. But also, he pronounced a curse on the serpent. Do you remember? So... Is all of that carried out yet? Is there some work yet to do? Hey, Satan knows he's defeated, does he? But he keeps he keeps hard trying to purposefully uh, work his agenda, uh, even in life as we speak. So the work of Satan there. Sin was judged on the cross. Our sin was judged and dealt with through the death of Jesus. Salvation is complete. In verse 11, He talks about the ruler and had been judged. I skip a little space here. It says, Once a person comes to Christ, the Holy Spirit has come to dwell in him and continues to convict him when he sins. I mentioned that to you a little bit earlier. If you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, uh, being saved doesn't mean that we are we, we become sinless. Being saved, though, should mean that we sin a lot less. But if we do sin, we still have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ, and He is the one that is seated at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Aren't we glad we're represented up there with the Father? Well, I'm glad there's one to intercede for me. Oh, how, how, how much thankful we should be. Under the picture there, it says, The Holy Spirit dwells in all believers, and He does everything for us, Jesus did for His disciples. Followers of Christ have the exact same Spirit that Jesus promised His disciples, and He dwells within us to empower and guide us in the ways that please the Lord. Is it in your capacity and my capacity to do right? Nah. But the Holy Spirit enables us to do that. I'm glad I've got a helper, aren't you? Now the last verses here for the morning would be verses 12 to 15 on page 58. Again, you who are watching by internet, verses 12 through 15 of John chapter 16 says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak of His own, but He will speak whatever He hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify Me. He will take from what is Mine and declare it unto you. So not only is He convicting of sin, righteousness, and judgment, but not only is He interceding for us, but the Scripture says here in verse 12... uh, Uh, And verse 13, that He becomes our guide. He guides us in all truth. Some might have translated that as teacher, okay? Not in our capacity to discern the things of God. But yet the the teacher allows us to do that. The Holy Spirit seeks to glorify Christ. He doesn't call attention to Himself. Rather, He casts every eye on Jesus, the resurrected King. I like those little marks under that paragraph. He guides us into all truth. He speaks Jesus' words to us. He glorifies the Son. Bringing glory and honor to Jesus is a part of everything the Spirit does. The Holy Spirit is a key theme in Romans chapter 8. One of the measures you can always check to be true. If someone whether it be in a public worship service or on the street corner uh, talking about uh, life and talking about what they've done in kingdom work, if they're drawing attention to themselves, you can always know that it wasn't of the Lord. Now, I, I don't mean that ugly. I don't mean it harshly. But the Holy Spirit says what He does is to draw all attention to Jesus. And therefore, if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our goal should be what? to draw all attention to Jesus. I like what Paul said, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago. Paul said of sinners he is chief, of apostles he is least. And he said you can know him full well by knowing that by the grace of God, he said, I am what I am. We don't need to boast about ourselves, do we? Now I close with these thoughts here. The Holy Spirit helps us put to death the deeds of the flesh. If you're struggling with an area in your life, I'm not just simply talking about addictions. Uh, You know, we could name the seven Baptist cardinal sins, you know, smoking, chewing, drinking. You know, some people would love to call them things by name. But if you're struggling with something, and I'm not even saying those would be the somethings, hey, the Lord will enable you through His Spirit. He's the Helper to be victorious. The Holy Spirit leads us and directs our steps. It's not within a man to know his ways. The Holy Spirit directs our steps. always add to that, He also directs our stops, doesn't He? Why are you where you are? You say, I was born here. Well, hey, I'm sure you've been directed in many other ways before, but the Lord will direct your stops. And the Spirit not only directs our steps and our stops, but He testifies and keeps us in mind that we belong to Jesus. Anybody have a word? Anybody have a thought there? Well, thank you. Uh, Next week, the Scripture passage, as I turn to it, will be out of Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. And the subject matter will be the return of Jesus. Amen. That will be a very encouraging and enlightening subject matter for next Sunday. Okay, thank you. Appreciate you joining us by YouTube, and you have a great week in the Lord.